is it. This is episode 146 of No Laugh Track Podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Severson, the host. Thank you to Circle of Heat for letting us play their music there at the beginning. Uh, if you haven't yet, people that listen to this, an easy way to get access to every uh, episode, because I know you want to listen to them over and over and over again, is Podbean has a brand new app. It doesn't just list the most, the most recent 20 like iTunes does. It has all of them. So download, go to that uh, iTunes store, Android or whatever, and uh, download that Podbean app, and then uh, you can subscribe there, and you'll have all of them. Let's get to today's show. Enough of the business. Ali Wong is here with me. Hi. For the first time. Yes. Hello. So excited to be here. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I didn't, we were chatting a little bit here before we started, but uh, I want to, first I want to say happy Earth Day. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's 45 degrees and the sun is shining It is in so cold here. Yeah. I was joking last night to the audience. I was like not prepared. I came with my jacket on and my hands, I have Raynaud's disease, which means like I have really poor circulation to my hands and feet and my I had someone in the audience touch my hand and I was like doesn't it feel like a boner killer <laughs> it was like ice cold mm-hmm. this club this club's like the green room's a little cold too it is a little bit yeah it's a little bit cold we're underground I didn't it's like the end of April yeah it's insane it's insane. It was like flurry snow. It was like cartoonishly snowing yesterday. They were like little snow pellets. Yeah. Yeah. It's it can be depressing. At least the sun is shining today. At least the sun is shining. But whatever. You guys wa- have water. You win. <laughs> yeah. You win. I'm gonna take. I've been taking like a bunch of showers, like multiple showers a day, to just bathe in like a guilt-free shower it feels so good <laughs> you live in la in la yeah how, how is that going with the oh water? it's like every time i wash an apple or anything <laughs> like i feel so guilty it's so nice to just like be rich with water you have no idea water how. rich that's a water rich well, how do they clamp down on your usage i mean are they is it very obtrusive, intrusive they haven't or? yet but um at restaurants you really you they're like are you sure you want water okay. they like really double check if you want water and you're like yes i i want water <laughs> um but they won't give it to you automatically that's like illegal now okay but wow. that's not the problem the problem is like i think I mean, according to my friend, it's mostly agriculture that eats up most of the water. And whether you flush the toilet or not at home doesn't really make a difference. So, you know, that's uh, something I look back at, like, is when being a naive kid, which is which is great to be innocent as a kid. But, uh, you know, being taught, like, turn the lights off. Make sure you turn the lights off. If you're not in the room, turn the light off. Shit don't matter. It doesn't matter. It, doesn't it really matter. doesn't matter. Because yeah. <laughs> go, once you get older and you go to, let's say, your workplace yeah. that leaves lights on, you know, or in a, uh, you know, uh, this giant warehouse building. Leaving exactly. Light, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. My little usage at home, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's why I matter. leave the lights on all the time. <laughs> Straight up. I'm not very good about recycling either. Or uh, like composting is a big thing in LA. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Mm-mm. I had a, uh, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast yet. I had, uh, I moved into a new townhome last October. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, oh yeah, well, we're renting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it is very nice. Love the new place. I still call it the new place. In any case, uh, it was a c- couple months ago. I was coming home from work. The sun had been down and I was pulling into my garage and it was the next day was recycling and uh, garbage day. So I was going to take the recycling out. Well, I saw my neighbor's uh, recycling bin had tipped over. So I thought, I'm going to be a nice neighbor and go over and pick it up. A couple things had fallen out. So I was putting him back in. As I was putting the stuff back in his recycle bin, he came out and saw me doing it. And I was walking away. And then he, uh, I don't know, I barely know the guy. I only met him a couple mm-hmm. times. He looks at me and he goes, so do you not have recycling or something? Oh, he thought you were jacking his recycling. Yes! He thought I was like, yes, in the middle of the night, sneaking yeah. out and putting my stuff in his bin. Like, no, no. But I, I, it was so dark, and we didn't even like really make eye, make eye contact. I just said no and kept walking. So it was c- completely awkward, and we still haven't like... You haven't addressed no, it? No, oh. no. And now I've talked to him a few times since then, and I don't know if he thinks I'm some recycling weirdo or so. I don't know, but that yeah. didn't go well. So... Last week, the same thing happened with a different neighbor, the person on the other side of me. 
Oh, you the, keep you keep being a good Samaritan with all these tipped over bins. Oh, you didn't pick it up. No. Yeah. No, because now my other neighbor ruined it for me. For he her. ruined it. He ruined it for the whole neighborhood. I'm no longer going to clean up after people. Yeah. 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 He shamed you. He shamed me. He shamed your and good I, deed. Yeah, and it was not deserving. That's a really. That's so interesting that he was so suspicious. When I feel like you know, are we? We're technically in the Midwest, right? Oh, absolutely. So, like in a, I feel like. Uh, it's it's kind of odd, right, for people to be so suspicious here when it's like, no, this is what we do. Oh, I walked in and told my uh, fiance, and I was like, I, d- you won't believe what just happened. Yeah, and that I, you know, I kept, I was getting angry. Like, don't, wouldn't you first assume that someone it's was super helping? Windy out. Yeah, wouldn't you think that maybe somebody's helping you out? I wouldn't assume. <laughs> Plus, is that a thing? Putting your recycling in somebody else's? Well, in LA, when we've had parties, I've been tempted to put my garbage yeah. in other people's in other people's bins. That's yeah. True. yeah, yeah. Or like a dumpster. Every time I see like a dumpster now, I'm like, oh, look at that juicy dumpster <laughs> with like all of that space to just put like a ton of huge crap in yeah, there. True. You know. Mm-hmm. How was the? Uh, so today is Wednesday, Earth Day. Of course, who doesn't know that? Um, how was last are you, night? Are your kids doing anything for Earth Day? Yeah, they stayed home from school because one of them's sick. Oh, mm-hmm. that's what they did. Yeah. They inherited the Earth's germs. I think, yeah. And used it to stay home. But uh-huh. they're both at home? Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad dad. I, here's the thing. I have had, I've had a, a morning show job uh-huh. up until about a month and a half ago. So I've never taken my kids to school. Oh. Ever. Never have ever taken my kids to yeah, school. Yeah, what a great out. So today was going to be the first time. I was looking forward to it. Yeah. Taking my kids to school for the first time. Well, one was sick and then the other one kind of talked me into letting her stay home. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but she told me that they had some like state testing thing that they had to do that was done yesterday uh-huh. and her teacher was going to be uh, out today i see so i thought eh, eh substitute teacher your, yeah. kid, your sister's sick i have to leave grandpa's coming over to watch you i know you and i were talking about that it's so interesting because so i'm trying to have a kid now and it's really interesting because um i've had many conversations with comics about how we can't think of one successful female stand-up comic who's relevant now uh-huh. like, you know like a big female stand-up who has kids oh yeah who's relevant now yeah there's not one i can't think of one uh-uh. uh and i mean you know just even with like my uh like my writing job i when you write on a show i don't think that they give you any sort of maternity leave I heard that the WGA, which is the writer's union, I don't think they give any sort of maternity leave. Meaning, Mm. like, if you take time off, there's no guarantee legally that you'll get your job back. And then there's also um, definitely probably no pay if you take time off, too. So it's, like, scary. And then I thought about, you know, the last time my mom was visiting me, I was trying to uh, manipulate her into committing to moving to L.A., to help me raise my kid for the first couple months. But then I had the same thought about like that you have about your dad where it's like, what is she going to do with it? I can't, I can't, I mean, I love my mom, but I can't trust her to not watch TV, like soap operas, the Kardashians, uh-huh. uh, while the baby's there. Yeah. Cause they don't have like the same, their parenting style is like really different. They don't have like now it's like, there's so much pressure, I feel like, to just constantly talk to your kids and engage them and play with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm only 33 and I'm already over that. But you, when <laughs> it's so? your kids, you're gonna do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's like that's to me that's the hardest part about having kids is like constantly talking to them, answering their questions, listening to their stories. I take care of my niece and nephew sometimes. Changing diapers is easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, like feeding them, easy. Yeah playing at the playground physically like it can be kind of tiring but that's easy yeah. it's the talking that's like so hard and my mom's not gonna do that she barely like wanted to talk to me <laughs> when i was little you know right i was raised on like children's hospital the soap opera not the hilarious adult swim comedy <laughs> right general no, Gen- general hospital yes completely what was the children's one all my children. All my children. Young and the Restless. Young and the Restless. Like, all, my mom just turned that shit on, when, like, all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. I named all my stuffed animals after them. <laughs> it was, like, not... And it made me who I am, but, like, I don't want to do that with my kids, no. you know? So it's, like, 
I'm very uh, conflicted. But how often does your father take care of the kids? Uh, you know, he, he he's good for recently, maybe every couple weeks. He's good for an afternoon. Thankfully, he's retired. So he's good for an afternoon, you know, last minute call. Hey, I need to run and do this. Yeah. Uh, so so that works out well. That works out well. My mom is uh, is retiring next month. Oh, so both of my Yes. So both of juicy my parents. free child care. Mm-hmm. And they live... 15 minutes oh away? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, so I don't, have to, amazing. I don't have to talk anyone to do moving into town or anything. Are they into taking care of the kids, too? Absolutely. That's so great. Yeah, it, my fiancé a lot of times will say, I think your mom wants the girls over more than they are. Oh, over. that's so great. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So have you ever emailed, I mean, emailed, interviewed a female stand-up on this podcast who has had kids? Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, uh, Lori Kilmartin. Oh yeah, she's great. Yep, I would say she's probably like the the one exception. That's who came to mind when you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. She's she works full time. You know, writing over she at uh, Conan hits the road time. when she can. Yeah, wrote a book a couple of years ago with some other people. That's true. Yeah, and I talked to her about it too, and she was like. You know, you really just gotta push yourself to go out when but you're exhausted. And she's not even with the dad. Think about that. I know. And I wonder if that helps. Maybe. Because then it's like you can just take turns more. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but yeah, because I think the thing that'll be hard is that, you know, in LA, I have to get up every single night. Like, no matter what, it's really important as a stand up to do it every single day. Yeah. People don't believe you when they're civilians but it's like it's not like other jobs or whatever it's like you really have to go up it's not like music where you can just like sit in a cave and not be in front of an audience for two years and write this brilliant album on your own it's like you need it's like a focus group you know the audience is a focus group and you need their response and their laughs as a litmus test to see if your jokes work and they might inspire you to say something that you couldn't come up with if you were on your own. You need to practice saying the words out loud. Um, and so, you know, some of these shows I do still, like I've been doing it for 10 years and still I'll drive to uh, Silver Lake or Hermosa Beach, like half an hour to an hour away from my house to do 10 minutes and get paid nothing, right. you know, and sometimes right. in front of like not the best audience. <laughs> um, and when you have a kid and you're breastfeeding and you're exhausted, I, Lori was like, you just got to still get up and go out and do it. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, like there, there's that. And then there's also the like going on the road thing. Like, I don't know, you know, there's some stand-up comics who have never taken three months off of going on the road. And I don't know if when you're, you know, have a newborn as a woman, you don't really have that luxury. Now we'll uh, we'll talk about the writing job you had, but now that you have uh, you've done the writing in like the last year, how much did you go on the road? Not yeah. at all. Really? Yeah. So this is, let's see. I did. I've done like a couple. Like we ended in December, and I've done a couple, um, maybe like a couple dates since. But while I was on the show, I didn't go on the. I hardly went on the road. Yeah. I yeah. I would say maybe not at all. Maybe I did it once, um, but it's really hard because you have to be there every single day. And I didn't honestly mind because I could still get up every night in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. when you can't get up. That sucks, yeah. you know? Um, and I almost like it more because, you know, on the road, I, I've i only started sort of getting comfortable trying out new stuff. Okay. Um, but the most fun I have when I do stand-up is when I can really experiment and kind of, like find the funny in a premise on stage with an audience and you can't really afford to do that on the road did you uh when did you come to town did you come yesterday i got here yesterday Yesterday. yeah oh so you missed the open mic you would have been oh yeah you would have loved that was that monday night yeah oh yeah you know this place fills really oh yeah am i allowed to do that or are people absolutely oh yeah i should have i should have come early absolutely yeah yeah, they fill the place. It's famous for that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and I wonder if Acme has a system that's similar to the punchline in San Francisco where I came up. Because it seems like the kind of club that really nurtures comics. Absolutely. Um, yes. But in San Francisco, there's like, at least when I was coming up, there was this system where, uh, you know, they would have a headliner week and then Sunday night was the showcase. 
and it would have 13 spots for local San Francisco comics. And uh, as a new comic, you were to wait there and watch the show in the back every Sunday for a year before you could get your first spot on the showcase. Uh-huh. And um, if you got recommendations, then maybe you could get up earlier, like six months or eight months. And then if you performed well on that spot, then Molly the Booker would give you another spot six months later. If you performed well, you would get another spot three months later. And then eventually you would get an audition to host. So you would host the Sunday Showcase. And then um, if that went well, then you could host a week with a headliner. Okay, yeah. Um, So that was like, that was so great for me because that waiting period is really frustrating, especially for like a naive, egotistical comic because you think like, I'm so good, I'm so special, like I should, you know, I should be on there, I'm funnier than all these people. But then it taught me that like, no, I'm not funnier than all these people. All of them had to wait and then you watch, you like, you kind of inherently are just like going to school. You're you're like studying the craft Um, and then that patience is good because then it weeds out all the people who aren't passionate. Right. Um, And then getting to and then you get like develop a sense of community you get to know all these other comics and then for me i mean that helped me tremendously once i started hosting there uh when i moved to new york uh from san francisco because i had hosted for doug benson one week patrice o'neill and dave attell and uh, plenty of other headliners and they all helped me when i moved to new york and gave me a really soft landing so I don't know if Acme has a similar system. Sort of. Uh, that's a conversation you should... Derek, you'd probably f- talk to him after this, find it really oh, okay. interesting because he kind of runs that. But yeah, it's similar. Like, uh, I, I obviously, I think, I, you know, I told you before we started here, I'm not a comic, yeah. just a huge fan. And uh, But I've had some friends that have come and uh, I've come to watch the open mic. And yeah, you know, if you're a first timer, you have a better chance of getting on. Yeah. But then let's say you get on that first time, there's probably zero chance you're getting on the next week. Then oh, you just have yeah, to keep, yeah, yeah. Like what you're saying. Show up, like show up, show up. How long do they up, have to seen. wait, do you think? I'm not sure. I see. I'm not sure. Derek has all the answers about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like if some, you know, like if let's say you would have been here Monday, yeah, then he pencils you in, you know, towards the end of the night. Probably well, it's so nice to have like have. those those systems like that, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know how other people do it. Yeah, I mean, there were so many things that made it easy for me in San Francisco. Starting a lot of it was because my family lived there. Okay, and so I is just, that where they still live? Like that's where they still live. Okay. So I lived with my, um, you know, with my parents for the first three years that I started stand up. I don't. I'm like I don't understand how people, you know. And I had a day job too, but. You know, the best stand-up cities cost a lot of money to live in. So it's like, I just don't understand how all these other people just wing it. Yeah. You know? Rich parents. Oh, yeah. That's true. Or they just live in, like, crazy situations. Yeah. Like, crazy people under, like, living under stairs situations. I mean, Has it ever got that bad for you? Uh, no, I, you know, the shittiest situation I ever lived in was the last time I lived in New York. And I actually, it was last year and I actually had a great acting job. I was on a medical drama. Um, and I, you know, financially I was doing really well, but then I want, but New York's like so expensive and I wanted to live in the West Village to be near the comedy cellar so that I could just have a bathroom to go to in between my sets because um, the bathrooms in the West Village are tiny. And I lived in this like crazy apartment with two other people. It was like the, the shower was like the size of this table, which um, let's see, what is it? I mean, the shower was like so small. It was like a third world shower. And then like one in an RV or something. Yeah, it was like, like an RV shower. <laughs> and then my room was like, it was an RV room where you just walk in and there's the bed. Yeah. There's no room to change or anything. You just like walk in and the door hits the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it costs like $1,000 a month. Yeah. Which I know in Minnesota is like a million dollars a month. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, I'll get you a nice place for a thousand. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can't you get like a house here <laughs> for like a thousand? Uh, not in the city, but you know, a little outside of the yeah. metropolis for sure. Yeah. So that's like the worst situation I've ever lived in. But even that wasn't that bad. I was still in the West Village. Um, 
but yeah, I've been I've been pretty lucky so far. Yeah. So. Hop, and then uh, New York. That what what show was that? Was that Black Box? Is that Black the show Box, you're talking about? Yeah. 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 I played a quirky radiologist. I no. I wrote. I read. I I, I printed out the uh, description. It's yes. still up on their website. Oh, it is. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes. On ABC's website. Yes. Le- Lena yes. Lark. Lena Lark. I played a quirky radiologist whose whose deep dark secret was that she was an agoraphobe. I had a love arc with a plumber. I had to learn a lot of medical jargon. I had to. Ex- I was like in charge of saying a lot of the medical stuff. Did that um, take some practice? It took a lot of practice, and it was good to live in New York and just recite stuff on the train where there was a lot of distractions. Yeah. And I would just like practice on the train with my lines over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So it was a really fun show to be on. What uh, was there any humor involved in that character? Not really. No, no. I mean, I know you just said it was a drama. It was like a heavy drama. Yeah. Like the le- the lead is a, an incredibly talented actress. She's going to be um, on season two of True Detective, and she was in that movie Flight. Okay. With Denzel Washington. With Denzel, yeah. She's such a great actress, and she's like an she's an actress actress, and she, she played this brilliant neurologist who's big dark secret was that she was bipolar yeah. and she would have her episodes and everything so it was like yeah I mean it was a very like serious dark drama you know and like I had to cry and have a meltdown um, which was which was uh, new for me <laughs> but it was fun and I have to say that when people uh, say that comedy is a lot harder than drama I would probably agree with that now because with drama you just have to say the words and you don't put that much into them if you put too much into them it really sounds kabuki Uh, you know it's like you're not like when you go to a table read for a drama there's i in my experience there wasn't as big of a rewrite process afterwards because it's to gauge like how good the table read went it's it's not it's not by laughs or anything like it's just if people are engaged wow so you know but with a comedy there's huge rewrites because if people if jokes don't get laughs then they're cut you know and it's like but if something doesn't get a laugh or the there's no such thing as like an improper response for a drama table read. So or maybe laughter would be an improper response. It, laughter would be an improper <laughs> response. Yeah. So and then the other and then you've been writing on I don't think we've we said the name fresh off the fresh boat. Fresh off the boat. Yeah. 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 So it was my first TV writing job and um, I was under contract at ABC still for Black Box and I was waiting to see if it was getting going to get picked up for a second season. And then, so I couldn't act on any other shows. And then they came to me and said, hey, you want to write on Fresh Off the Boat? And I was a little bit hesitant at first because I haven't had a nine to fives in 10 years since I was like a receptionist at a, you know, at this nonprofit. And it's really hard for stand-up comics to get used to the idea of showing up to a place every day for eight hours. Did you have to buy an alarm clock, or did you have one already? Oh, I had to. Yeah, I had to buy an alarm clock. Yeah. Um, it where like if you don't show up, there's like major consequences. Mm-hmm. If you don't show up, people are counting on you. People are counting on you, and then like not only is there consequences from the boss, like the group looks at you fun, like. If you're late, you know, like we showed up, how come you didn't show up on time or something? And it's like, it's, uh, it was, it was scared. <laughs> it scared me. But then I, and then you can't go on the road. You can't act in other stuff. And it was the best decision I ever made to awesome. say yes to that job. Awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't expect to make all of these friends, but I, you know, we had 12 people in the writer's room and I see all of them. And some of them at least once a week. We hang out all the time. And I think I get along with TV writers sometimes even better than I do with stand-up comics. Because they... I I think because they're like more... Maybe a little more family-oriented. You know? Like Uh they, they all kind of have these like stable lives where they want to have kids. They have kids or they want to have kids. Um, Home in the evening. Home in the evening, whereas I think a lot of stand-up comics are really not thinking about that, especially the ones that I came up with. Right. Um, so, 
So yeah, it was a great experience, and I and I learned so much, and I'm so proud of working on the show too. It's been it's been really well received, and I and I couldn't be happier. How uh, how many episodes were there in this? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. And is it? Have you heard? Is it coming? Are we we is it will be more? probably find out within the next three weeks. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. It's looking good, but you never know. Yeah. I watched a couple. I'm not going to lie and say I watched all of them, but I did watch a few. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different. different. And as someone who, I'm sure you've heard this from people, that um, like I can relate to every like all the music things. And oh, yeah. I just love that. I love, that love was, it. Love that it. Was, love retro. Love it. That was something that was really kind of unintentional on our part because there was already that show, The Goldbergs. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really want, we felt like that show, you know, like is a very signature like nostalgia show. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to make plot lines based on, you know, we didn't want to like copy that and, and make plot lines based on like playing on people's nostalgia. And we thought that it, it would be funny if it was just kind of more of a background mm-hmm. thing, you know, so... For example, like there's the Garfield mugs. I don't know if you watched that episode. Do you remember those Garfield mugs you oh, of would course. get? Yes. Yeah, from oh, yeah. from McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So like they're in the episode, but they're like just like a background yeah. thing. You yeah, know, I love we don't that make stuff. a huge deal out of it. And same thing with the music. It's just yep. it's there when it fits and it's wasn't it's there great. some NWA or something? Was doesn't he listen to some Ice Cube or NWA oh, yes, or something? Oh yeah, to Old Dirty Bastard. Oh, is that what it was? We yeah. ha- there's a yeah, an Ice Cube. I think we have like a deal where we have to do three Ice Cube songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Get him on the show. I know we should. Well, it's funny because we had the only person we've had from the '90s on the show was Scotty Pippen. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one, but I saw your picture on Twitter. Yeah, because so because um, we were thinking of some other basketball players, but then a lot of them don't look the same, <laughs> and he's the only one who looks probably even better than he did. Yeah, he's like aging backwards. He's like Black Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, he he does look good. He You're looks right. really good. So. <laughs> Because, like, everyone's like, oh, you know, like, is Shaq going to come on? It's like, Shaq don't look like 90s Shaq. No. And I don't know if he'd be willing to do it. He probably would. But, you know, we we don't have that, like, kind of CGI budget or whatever (laughs) to put certain people on the show. Although, yes, we would love to have Shaq. Shaq, please come on the show. How was Scotty Pippen off the... Oh, my God. He was so professional. So he, like, memorized his lines, which was so impressive um and he was like you know really like i could i saw him really studying them beforehand and when i would tell him to like ask him to to deliver it in a different way like more angry or um like you know more like i feel sorry for you guys in that way he he was like he was so good at giving us different takes yeah which in the editing room is so valuable but something you wouldn't expect from someone who was a professional athlete. Because, you know, I mean, we didn't expect him to be so good because he's already so good at another thing. So it's like, it was such a wonderful, he was a delight to have on set. And he made a lot of great jokes offstage too. Really? Yeah. He also was really gracious and wonderful that all the parents came um, and weren't shy about bringing bags of paraphernalia oh, really? for him to sign mm. yeah that can yeah that can be a tricky thing to deal with it it is and he was so he was so good about yeah. just doing hey, it could you get this to michael jordan for me yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well and he has such a good sense of humor about that too yeah, yeah. good 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 uh i'm curious like uh you know your stand-up comic now you're writing for a comedy. Now going back to like acting on a drama, was there anything intimidating about that? Yeah, it was really intimidating. I mean, there's, I don't know if you know, but Vanessa Redgrave was mm-hmm. on the show, who's like a legend. I yeah. never did any scenes with her, but there were a ton of really great professional drama actors on the show. I mean, the thing that always scares me and intimidates me are theater people. I'm like, that's the real deal. Yeah, acting nerds. Acting nerds. Yeah. Uh, th- that is truly the real deal. If you, you know, it's kind of like a version. It's like a, it's like a seller comic. You know, that's like they're they're the real deal. Mm-hmm. If you're a headliner at the se- if you're a headliner working out stuff at the seller, you're probably the real deal. Yeah. And theater actors, they're 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 
really serious about the craft and it's an art to them and they study it. Um, and I, and I felt like a fraud. Of course I felt like an imposter, but yeah, I bet you couldn't help it sometimes. But once I learned that you to not put too much into it and to just like to just say the words, it's, it became a lot easier, you know, cause with, with comedy, Yes, you'll work from instinct, but I. But sometimes, you know, especially since they're not my words that I wrote, I have to think about it a little bit more about how to say something. And there's yeah. so many choices to me about how to deliver something. And I think with a drama, it's better not to think about it too much and to just say it. Sure. Yeah. Because often when you talk to people, it's not, you know, you're not so ex- expressive when you, when you really are angry. I was there any dialogue? I'm curious. Is there any dialogue when somebody gives it to you? You're like, come on. I just can't even. I cannot say this to with like a serious face, you know, with a straight face. Not for a drama, but for, for, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's been comedies that I've been a part of that it's like, it's challenging, you know, because especially as a stand-up comic, when you're so used to writing for yourself um, and saying, delivering a joke that you don't find particularly funny is yeah. is really challenging. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. It's really challenging. But then you watch people I mean I had just come across uh like on a uh, you know one of those syndicated reruns of Friends last night which was on all the time and it's like those those jokes they sell the shit out of them. Oh yeah. All those actors. Yeah. And and I remember watching him as a kid and being thinking it was like the funniest thing in the world. And for the, but I, and I realized like how much, you know, how much the actors like just sell them with their character and how it works because of that. Oh yeah. You know? Try, try uh, not watching friends, but just listening to it because that's what I've had to do a lot. Oh because, yeah. Because uh, when we go to bed, Ashley watches Friends. Oh yeah. Your fiance. Yes. Yeah. So I fall asleep. Still? Yes. Oh my gosh. Allie, I just, <laughs> two nights ago, I just finally deleted it off our uh, schedule on the DVR because I said, you know, it's on Netflix now. Oh, you can enough. Stop filling up our DVR. And it screwed me up watching a hockey game the other night. I had a friend over, oh, and all of a sudden, no. it switched over to friends because Terrible. it was going to start recording. We missed three minutes of the game. Yeah. So. They're not your friends. They're not my friends anymore. And I loved that show. Yeah. Loved that show. Yeah. I'm done. Done with it. Done with friends. I can't believe your wife is still watching. Has she seen all of them already? Of course. Oh, but she's just like, can't get enough. Yes. Wow. It's a, you know, it's like a blankie. It's comforting to yeah, her. Yeah, it is comforting. Well, well, that's so interesting now because people, you know, everyone just like salivates over the, the single cam format of comedy. Yeah. But you just cannot deny that that multi cam format is just so comforting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love those laughs. Still, when it's a good show, I love it. Yeah. You know? There's some shows that are really big hits right now that use a laugh track that I can't stand. I don't, and it's not because of the laugh track. I don't like a laugh track for the most mm-hmm. part. That's why I named this dang podcast No Laugh Track. Um. But, um, like the show that, Big Bang Theory, uh-huh. I don't get that. Yeah. It's, I'm not a fan. No, I, I don't, I, I don't probably don't watch any multicams now. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard for me in general to like watching comedies because I just, I I like watching really violent dramas (laughs) for some weird reason. And it's been that way for ever, I think ever since I started stand up, but the comedies I do like are ones like, uh, transparent. Yeah. I think that's like a fantastic show. Orange is the new black. Yeah. I think is amazing. And you know, some you're, you've worked with some people from that show. Yeah. Laura Prepon. I mean, it was so great to see her do this. 180 role and just kill it i mean she's fantastic on that show and it's such a different role than anything she's ever done and she's so good in it but that show is just so i mean i don't think people give it enough credit for for being so groundbreaking you know to feature all of those women that show would never make it to network i mean there are some, yes, very attractive people on that show, but some people who aren't conventionally very attractive, and True. that would never happen on a show. And it's like all women, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, the men are like there, but they're not really, they're not there. 
you know? Right. They're helping the story along. <laughs> They're helping the story along. And mm. so, well, I mean, when have you ever seen a show like that? And then, like, when... Uh, Not since Cagney and Lacey. I don't know what that is. What is that? Oh. <laughs> you don't know what that is? Uh-uh. That was a, uh, that was a uh, cop drama in the 80s starring two women. Tyne oh. Daly and... Uh, I can't think of the other woman's name. It was a it was a hit. But this is like a crew of like twenty women. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. it's amazing. And then like all every thi- like number one, two, three, four, five on the call sheet. All like the first like twenty people must be all women. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean that scene where where Crazy Eyes just like gets back at Piper and by peeing on peeing on, on the floor was. I know amazing i agree i agree <laughs> it's like so unexpected uh-huh. uh-huh. it's like everything you want it's like so unexpected so fresh mm-hmm. so funny so he says so much about her character mm-hmm. um, absolutely that's so show comes back like in a month or so oh i cannot wait well i'll be i cannot wait i am such a fan of i'm just like i didn't really know what a showrunner was before i would say before I wrote on Fresh Off the Boat, I didn't understand how much they do and how much they have to do with the success and the voice of a show. Well, describe what that job is then. They're the head writer. They're the they get last cut, final cut on all the episodes. They um, get like final rewrites on all the drafts. They are in charge of all the major decisions and all the little decisions from oh, what prop should we use here? Should we use, like, should we have, like, this colored glasses in the episode? And should um, the mom be wearing these shoes or these shoes? Should we cast this person or this person? I mean, they they run the show creatively and logistically. And it's a crazy big job. And there's not that many females um, in it because I... Well, because it takes a long time to be a showrunner. You have to had been a TV writer for a long time to qualify, and the field is so dominated by men, but I think that's changing now. So, you know, it's it's crazy to see all of like my favorite shows like Transparent, Jill Soloway. She's a showrunner. And oh, the yeah, creator. I know that name. Yeah. Oh, and then the, the they're usually the showrunner is usually the creator of the show too. Empire, which is like one of it's like a ridiculous show, but it's one of my favorite shows. Okay. Uh, the showrunner's Eileen Chaikin. She also was a showrunner of Black Box. And okay. she was the creator of The L Word. How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, no, not. She, that's not a female showrunner. But Scandal, Shonda Rhimes. That's another female. Um, Orange is New Black, Genji Cohen. And then our show, Nanachka Khan, who is a showrunner for Fresh Off the Boat. And it's like amazing to see, see these women work. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why, too, maybe why like a lot of women aren't drawn to it or maybe why they aren't doing it is because, again, it's really hard to have a family and be a mom yeah. when you're a showrunner because it's so time-consuming. I mean, Nanachka for our show was, like, in the editing room all the time, and, you know, at any given moment she had maybe, like, uh, like eight episodes at a time, like, just spinning plates, you know, like, doing the rewrite for that one, Cut breaking story for a new episode, editing that episode, and then being on set for the episode that's shooting that week. And Yikes! It's a it's a lot of work. I'm getting stressed with you describing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm gonna take a nap. It's not a glamorous <sighs> job. No. And then you probably can't place a face to any of those names. Right. You know. Yeah. Not really. No. Um. But every just about every name you just said, I I know from seeing it. Yeah, that's like a new thing. I feel like showrunners weren't, maybe now with like the internet and podcasts, people know more about who they are and what they do, but I feel like before they didn't get a lot of the credit, and it's and it's all because of them. Like a sh- like Bo Williman, I was just listening to an interview with him about House of Cards, and like I didn't realize how much he has his hands in every decision on that show and how much of his voice, you know... Is, is intertwined with everything on that show within Larry David with Seinfeld. Yeah, and yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, they're they're the most important person. So, so is that something you want to do? 
I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I mean, now that I see now that you're in the beginning level, the now writer, that I'm in the beginning level, I think it's something I'd be interested in. Yeah, but it's I'm scared of how much work it is, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, it'll probably take me a while before I can, I can get there. But maybe at that point, you know, it'll be good because then my kids will be older. And kids, then, you want to have. Oh yeah, I want to have kids like I'm I'm trying right now, which uh so I think I want to have at least two, yeah. if not three. Um but maybe when they, you know, at least when they're like not attached to my boobs yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, then it would be it would I'd have to find something that I'd be really passionate about, you yeah. know. But that's why they're usually the creator because they want to see their vision carried through and executed right. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it's it's. Do you have a thing you've been working like? Well, I started writing when I was twenty, and I'm going to bring that back. Well, do you have like a dream thing ago, that you would put out there? Two years ago, I had sold a pilot to Fox about. Um, uh, it was like a couple comedy, and it was kind of based, loosely based on my my real life at the time about a couple that was like the opposite of Dharma and Greg where the man was the hippie and then the woman was kind of like a frat boy. That's kind of like me and my husband, although now I've become much more of a hippie since being with him. Okay. Um, And it didn't really work and it got changed into like a family show and it got got morphed through all the notes and through the casting and everything because we found out that it was really hard to cast and write for a grounded man who was a hippie. Hmm. Yeah, it was like pretty. It was really because like my my husband is so like he's like a very unique kind of hippie, and but it was, and it was really hard for me. And at the time, maybe I was like more of an immature writer, so maybe now I could take a stab at it. But it was really hard for me to like capture a character like that, so it wasn't really working. Um, and now that show changed into Empire, and it's a huge hit. Right? Yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Then they cast uh, what's his name, and it's a huge hit. Yeah. yeah. Do you watch Empire? I don't. But oh. Tracy Ashley uh, was on the. She was the comic working here a few weeks ago, and uh-huh. she was saying how much how she loves that show. Oh yeah, it's no, like, I It's seen like a it. comedy. Is it? It's hilarious. Well, do you watch Scandal at all? I've seen it a few times. Not. Big so into it. what's funny about so they call the end of an an act, but that's before they break to commercial usually in a comedy, or. I guess they must have these in dramas too, but you have three acts in a comedy usually, and, and the end of an act is an act break, and you're going to end on a joke, and uh, that's all. End on a joke and end on a scene, um, and end on like some sort of idea that that is suspenseful, and you break to commercial, and hopefully that act break is juicy enough to keep the audience enraptured and wanting to wait after the commercial break to see what happens. Yeah. So what's funny about Scandal is that I feel like they took it up a level and ended every scene with an act break. And then every ending of the episode is like a series finale ending. Oh, wow. Empire was like, I will take your new crazy structure and I will raise you (laughs) by ending every scene with a series finale ending. Oh, my God. Like every single scene. And it's... It's like it's, it's like in that game Hearts where you shoot the moon, yeah, yeah. you know, where it's like this could be a disaster and you're going to either lose everything or win everything. Yeah. And they won everything. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. And that's why that show is is like especially like as a writer is so entertaining cuz it's I love like it. oh my god, I can I, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Do you ever watch uh now you've completely hooked me and I'm going to go back and watch all of them. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Uh uh, CSI SVU. Are you a fan no, of that show? No, I don't watch no. that. I mean, it's. Uh, I've watched it. Maybe I've watched one of the CSIs once, and it was really entertaining. Um, or no, it's, yeah, S, or Law and Order. All Law and Order. That's the one. Law and Order. The one with Ice T. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I, I bet it's great. Yeah, yeah. That's a show where I. That's another thing that's been on a lot recently because it's on uh, Netflix and. There's so many times where I like when I was asking you like their line their uh, some dialogue we're like come on I feel watching that show that there's so many ridiculous pieces of dialogue I just want them to look at the camera and go 
Yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. I, we know. Just, just, just but follow us over like, to the precinct. That's what's so great about these shows too is that they're like great actors yeah. who are committing to the bit. Yeah, and like, I would love just a maybe just some one moment, like a little like, dude. I know. Yeah, we know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. just come along. It's so ridiculous. Hey, we haven't talked about your uh, comedy here this week. Uh, oh, yeah. How was last night? It was great. I unfortunately didn't see the light and went into crowd work and and did a lot more time than I oh, should have no. going into the crowd. How did, it, how did you finally wrap it up? Did you go? Because uh, I looked on my phone and I saw that I had been on stage for like an hour and I was like, oh my God, I've been on here for way longer than I thought. <laughs> so I'm not one of those comics who can really gauge how long they've been on stage for. Because sometimes like I'll get inspired to talk to somebody in the audience and it will just go on forever. Yeah. Um, so uh especially when i like, am headlining and i'm like oh this is so like nice to like stretch out and have all this time you know yeah. um but it was great i mean acme has an incredible reputation uh amongst stand up comics for just being this like luxurious place to perform and it really is now, is yeah. this your first time here? It's my first time here. How about it's in not Minneapolis? It's my first time in Minneapolis. It is. The last time I was here, I was performing at some club at the Mall of America. Oh, okay. And that was yeah. like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I cannot wait to go to Mong Village. <laughs> I'm going to probably go there tomorrow and eat some like stinky sausage. I cannot wait. You know, I grew up in St. Paul. Oh, you did? Yes. And I grew up in a, like, every, every school that I went to, uh-huh. a white was the minority. Oh, so I went to school with a lot of Hmong students like that were, as it turns out, we didn't know their real names. Oh. A lot of their ages were kind of made up. Huh. Uh, as we got older, they would literally tell us some of the stories about how they you know, had to escape. Oh, and they yeah, were in yeah. camps. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and it's so incredible that they've built this huge community here and... Yeah, are in like positions of power mm-hmm. and influence, and I, I'm so fascinated by it. I mean, that's that's probably the most interesting thing for me when I go on the road is is witnessing Asian American diaspora because I grew up in San Francisco, where um, we're so you know I feel like. Asian Americans have been there for generations and there's people now who have lived in San Francisco, like there's Chinese American families who have lived there for like four generations and they have, you know, people who have grandparents who have like no accent and they're just, it's, and it's just so interesting. Um, Oh, growing up, the only Asian faces I ever saw were in, there wasn't an accent coming out was on television. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't, there was no... You know, like the adopted Korean. There was oh, none of right. that in my neighborhood. Yeah, they were all well, first that's, generation. That's like my so age. interesting too. Yeah. It's like the whole adoptee thing. That's like all in the Midwest, big time. And that's really. I mean, I don't think I met anybody who was adopted mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Now there's like a ton right. um, in in San Francisco. So yeah, I mean, it's just so interesting to see how um, other. It, like Asian, how Asian immigrants, first generation, made their way and found their place mm-hmm. in America, yeah. in these cities, you know, especially in a place like Minneapolis. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I went to school with like people, uh, like a kid named well, we called him Kevin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His name wasn't <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and he said he was, you know. I remember, yeah, like it was in fifth grade where he came out like, well, my parents made up my birthday. They don't really know when it is. Oh, you know, yeah. we got here and they just said uh, June 1st, you know, because that's like the day it was. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Quite different than the fourth generation people that are uh, like in San Francisco. What else should we talk about before we run out of time here? I don't want to take up too much of your time. Like I said, I do need to relieve pops with the um, kids um you d- i people may have saw you seen you work on that uh chelsea handler show as well oh yeah that was like so long ago yeah. yeah but yeah i was on that that was like my first uh and last multi-cam <laughs> job um and it was it was fun but it was like a it was really uh you know, it was the it was the first big thing I had ever done, and it was like a scramble because it was the second incarnation of it too. I two two people before me 
had gotten let go. Oh. And I was replacing them after they had already shot the pilot. Oh. So um, it was like kind of a, it was like a little fragile, you know, and there was also another person who had been recast and it's a weird position to be in because you always feel like you're on eggshells and you're like, were they recast because they weren't right for the role or is the role not fully developed? Yeah. You know, and so... It was, um, you know, it was a really good experience, and I was so happy. Like, Laura Prepon is the sweetest person in the world. I'll never forget, she, she, like, if I ever am the lead of the show, I learned how to be, I, like, will have learned from, she's, like, the gold standard of what the lead of a show could be, because she was, like, truly, like a leader of everybody, like so encouraging, so sweet, and so generous. At the end of the show, she gave everybody like really, really sweet gifts. She gave me like a massage because I had never gotten a professional massage before, and she remembered that. Um, She gave hair and makeup, everybody gifts, and she was the one who was like, like I think our season ended shooting in December, and like in September, she was like, we need to organize to get the crew a gift right now. Um, and I had never thought of that. I never thought, like, you know, it was my first time on a, show, on, a, on a show, and I had never thought, like, oh, you're supposed to get the crew, these people who, like, spend hours filming you to, like, make you a star and put you on camera yeah. and make you look good. You should probably get them something and pull together, yeah. like, something so... um yeah, we had gotten the we had like an on-site masseuse and a coffee truck for them or something. Nice. But she's the one who taught me that. And so now, you know, she's like the set mom kind of. She's like a set mom. That's really and great. she when the show had gotten canceled, she wrote everyone like a really kind email and everything. Um yeah, and she was like not she was like just such a sweet, gracious person. So, I learned a lot from her about that. And then I still keep in touch with Jake sometimes who played the bartender mm-hmm. and her love interest yeah, and he's doing really well. He's, uh, he, he was in that Clint Eastwood movie, uh, American sniper. And he's like always, you know, the lead on some new pilot every year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a handsome fella, a very handsome fella. Yeah, yeah. They, those guys get the leads. Yes. No doubt. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I think I've taken up enough of your time, Allie. Okay. I, I think is Allie short for Allison? No, Alexandra. Alexandra. Yeah. How, there's no I in Alexandra. There's no I in there, but like it, for some reason, I th- I think I really liked uh, Muhammad Ali growing up, and then I liked the way he spelled that name for some reason. I just th- like the way it looked. Mm-hmm. It was like all long and like simple, and so that's really where it came from. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My sister's an Allison, so I was. But she never went by Allie, but I know there's a, that's that thing. Did your, uh, I have one final question. Did you, uh, did, uh, I want, you don't even have to answer for yourself. Did your uh, hippie husband celebrate uh, that made up 420 thing on Monday? No. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> he's like not like a weed hippie. He's like a real like, like kind of like a, the meditation kind of hippie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But not like he's like clean and likes to make money. He's not like smelly and like like a bum hippie. That's what I'm saying. Like it's really hard to like make a really chill person who's like really into like meditating but also making money like a funny person because yeah. it's like it was so hard for me to capture it because he's such a like it's it's new age is I was what it say, is. Not many. Not all the people know that guy. No, I think so. It's cool because it's like a fresh character, but it's also really hard. It's hard to write for a chill person mm-hmm. who's not like cartoonishly chill, mm-hmm. you know. So, but we'll see. I think I have one final question yes. in regards to uh, fresh off the boat. When you're writing for that, is there? Are you writing like as if it's you ever on the? Like, are you ever a character, but it's um, not you? Do you no, know what I mean? maybe a little bit, like. Um, you know, when the son Eddie does this like pimp walk and sometimes I'll do that to like celebrate stuff. So, um, there's like, you know, there's a little bit of all of us in there and there's parts of my mom for sure that I feel like contributed to, uh, the mom's Jessica's character in the show too about, you know, just being uh, like super cheap and super fierce 
<laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, but I don't ever, you know, it's 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 so interesting because it really is like a collaborative process. And there's there's a, a Indian American writer on the show whose dad owned a Burger King franchise. Okay, and because of that, that informed a lot of the restaurant part sure. aspect of the show. Sure, so yeah. there's like a lot of him and his dad okay. in there too. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would say there, I, I feel, I see myself in every episode. Does your mom like the show? She hasn't really watched it yet. Oh. Yeah. I don't really tell my family. They find out about what I'm up to by Googling me <laughs> because I don't like to share with them anything until it airs and is a success. Okay. It's kind of like working in television and film is is kind of like constantly being in the first trimester of a pregnancy because you never know if anything's going to go. Sure. And if you tell everyone like, oh, I'm going to star in this pilot and if maybe you might get recast, which is like the worst case scenario, or the pilot doesn't air and doesn't go, then... You have to tell everybody, and then everyone's like, what's, it, what's, it, what's going on with the baby? What's going on right. with the pilot? How are, you know, how's it going? Then you have to tell everybody the bad news, and it sucks. Yeah. Oh, I've had that experience on this podcast, since I've been, you know, since I've been doing it for a few years, where I'm following up with something oh, from yeah. a conversation a year ago. And it just fell through. Oh, what is, so where's that, uh, you know, script you were writing that they picked up for a pilot? Oh, yeah, they changed everything. Hey, what about that documentary you were filming? Yeah, I'm not talking about that. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a bummer. Man, things changed. Yeah. <laughs> You were so, so excited about that a year ago. Yeah, yeah. so I learned really fast yeah. not to tell anybody about anything until it airs and is a success. So that's why they they Google my my sister's wife Google's me all the time and it's really annoying. <laughs> and then she tells my whole my whole family about what I'm up to and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Google alert, Ali Wong. Yes, very easy. Uh, do you sell anything at your shows? Do you have a, have you no, recorded anything? I used to. Yeah. I'm gonna tape a special in September. So, this September, you're going this to? September, okay. yeah, I'm going to do it in Seattle. So, um, but no, I, I haven't done an album or anything. Okay. So, but now I feel like is is the time. So, it sounds like it. Yeah. Why Seattle? It was just some weird instinct I had to pick that city because I feel like I'm from San Francisco and everyone has heard my jokes, <laughs> and then in New York, I feel like I don't know that I've maybe people have heard it all, and then. LA people are kind of you know people have kind of heard it all too but I felt like Seattle would be a cool smart audience mm-hmm. that maybe hasn't heard a lot of my jokes yeah they're like second or third to Minneapolis for the best place <laughs> to record <laughs> I do want to say one more thing uh for listeners of the podcast here maybe you'll find this interesting if you haven't heard uh you know Emo Phillips was the headliner here last week oh, cool. and Brian Regan was doing a show in town did you know he stopped in here? No. Yes. I just heard the whole story about an, an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. Emo was doing his show and like nine something, Brian Regan's done doing his show downtown and stops in to and uh, do a set before He did emo? not do a set. No, but oh. he hung out with people after the show. Oh, and, that's so sweet. Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. Like Incredible. A superstar comic stopping at the old comedy club, so... There was a picture going around on Acme's Facebook page if people want to see that. Did that he, I'm not, did he that come I'm not and lying. watch Emo set? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's he incredible. Was, yeah. He was here for the what did they what did he tell me? He was he got here you know after nine and Emo's well yeah the late show as you know ten thirty on the weekends so oh, wow. yeah he stuck around and watched Emo. Wow. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. Really like that. So you never know who's gonna be here. Oh, that's good. I don't. I hate. I mean, I hate it, but I love it when like headliners that i admire watch my set nothing makes me like shit my pants more than that i don't care if i like eat it in front of an audience but like i do care but eating <laughs> it in front of a headliner that you respect is the worst yeah. thing in the well world. you're talking about how much you like working at the cellar but that can be a night because i've been there i know that there's that's like you can work with five people that are headliners at night yeah but some of them they'll generally won't really watch your set sometimes oh, okay. some of them will but then like I'll, I'll kind of be aware and like if I'm like oh I know that they're there then I'll like you know bring the A game but there was one time I was at the comedy store in Los Angeles and I was like trying out all new stuff was wearing again my pajamas on stage because I was like it was like a I don't know it was like a Wednesday night 11.30 p.m. spot and then I was like okay your next comic is Steve and then the 
a guy who plays the piano between who's like, Allie, no, it's actually going to be. And he hands me this p- piece of paper and it said Louis C.K. Ah! And my face turned white and I wanted to die. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe he's here. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I was so upset. But he actually, at, that was the first time I had met him and he came up to me afterwards and he really liked it. Um, and I think, you know, as a headliner, you know, who's so seasoned and experienced, he could probably tell that I, it was like new stuff, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. He has new stuff too sometimes. He has new stuff too. Yeah. yeah. Allie, this has been great. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Continued success. And hopefully, uh, when you uh, are here, you know, like a year from now or so, you'll have a baby picture. To yes. Share. Yes. All right. Good luck. Thank you.